You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hope you brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, one, welcome all to another edition of the Star Seminar, your team talk course for all things Cowboys football. We are well rested. We're ready to we're ready to go. Our old bones are filled with vim and vigor and there's no better time for that because it's Eagles week, everybody. So feel the hatred, feel the love. I've got nothing but love for my co-teacher, my comrade in arms, Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? I am fine, my Philly friend. I tell you, I, um, I am well rested because I have been doing a lot of sleeping this week. I am battling some type of sickness. Not sure what's going on, but it all I know is that it is lingering. And so it's been kind of a miserable week for me. Um, one thing in particular, too, is I like to get my lights out on the house uh, early part of December. Uh, it doesn't have to be right after Thanksgiving, but I do like to ha- get them out early December because the way my mind is, first off, I don't like doing it. It's it's, a, it's like an hour and a half, two hours in the cold, getting everything all situated. And usually there's problems and it's just, it's not like something I enjoy doing. So it's work to me. And, you know, you know, I'm an older guy now to where it's like, you don't really want to be on the top of your house too much. To So I dread it. I got to get it done. But it's even worse when I start to get past December and the days go into December and I have less days that we're going to actually get use out of the lights. So like, I feel like the clock is, there's a countdown and, you know, I'm dealing with this illness and it's like, when am I going to get it up there and do that? So I don't know. So now I got some extra stress that I just bring upon myself by knowing my amount of days are shrinking to get use of my Christmas lights. But uh, you know what? We don't do a whole lot of stuff, you know, but we do do the outside lights. I don't know, Rabs, how festive are you, you know, during the holidays? So I'm festive within a within a limited window. So the situation is, and I, you and I might have talked about this in the past, the situation is that I have a late November birthday. It's always after Thanksgiving. It's late enough in the month, so it never precedes Thanksgiving. And then my wife's birthday is December 10th, and then our anniversary is December 14th. So that means there's a lot of stuff going on. The other thing is, um, my wife in particular, but I actually don't mind this. We're a little unusual in that we don't like to celebrate early, but we don't mind if the tree and the smell of the tree and the and the, the lights and everything, uh, especially on the inside, lingers a little bit into January, into the doldrums of January as a way to sort of spruce up the doldrums of January. So we have a standing rule that we never put up a tree or do anything like that until after my wife's birthday, which is, a, as I said, is December 10th. So that gives us a couple of weeks. Um, 
Uh, and then, you know, we, we do oftentimes leave it up until, you know, a little later in January than we maybe should. But um, that way, I just sort of feel like there's a very discreet sort of holiday period and nothing else is impinging upon it. So I'm festive, but, um, but you know, uh, I think people who put up their lights like sometime on Thanksgiving weekend are monsters. I just don't understand it. Come on, people. There's, there, there's turkey sandwiches to be had. What are you doing with your lives? You know what? I think, in fact, they're so evil that they should just all be Eagles fans, which leads us into today's or today's conversation and this week's game against the hated Philadelphia Eagles. As always, we will preview this game by um, doing a little look at them on Randall's Rabbles Roundup and also by uh, having uh, the great Dr. Danny Phantom espouse his Phantoms Five. And we also kind of want to talk a little bit about some playoff matchups, I think, to, see, to, to sort of see what the path mm. uh, in, ter in terms of um, playoff possibilities or seeding possibilities might be going forward, you know, as we think about tiebreakers, et cetera. But before we get to that, um, because, of course, it's fun to hate on the Eagles. Oh, yeah. I'd, love to I'd love to hear from you what your three favorite Eagles non-Cowboys losses have been. It's easy to pick out three cowboy victories over the Eagles. Oh yeah. How about how about Eagles losses that didn't involve the Cowboys? And one of the reasons I say that is, of course, because last weekend's Eagles 49ers game, as we talked about before we started recording, was a glorious affair. It was fantastic to see them uh, get demolished at home, and it was even better to see their fans all crying on X as they uh, as they watched that unfold in disbelief at their. 10 in one Super Bowl Eagles. So I'd love to hear from you. What are some of the great Eagles losses in your viewing lifetime? Oh, man. You know, I I bet there are some that I have, but just don't remember. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that we have, it's going to have to end up being a, a significant playoff game for the Eagles for me. You know, mm -hmm. because that that that's just more crushing, you know. So you think about the you know the early two thousands and the Eagles, uh, those I don't know how many straight NFC championships they went to, um, three, uh, but certainly that's that's got to be up there. I mean, last year's Super Bowl, it will definitely make my list. I mean, because they, I feel like they had it, and, and to see like Jalen Hurts fumble the ball away, and the and the way that just the Eagles just kind of imploded and. Uh, so that that's that's going to be on my list, but also I think one of the games has to be the first time. Well, actually, not the first time. The, the first time the Eagles Super Bowl is back in um, right before um, Super his Super Bowl fifteen, I believe. Mm -hmm. with, uh, and I was I was young, so I have very little memory of that. But I'm sure I was in a good mood when that happened. But the very next time Philadelphia had a chance to finally win a Super Bowl um, and they didn't, that would have been in, um, it was against the Patriots in the Super Bowl uh, 2004. 2004. So that's good. That's going to be my number one. I don't know. The other, there's other ones that are like honorable mentions, but I think that's my number one. I, that's the one T.O. had, like he suffered a broken leg, but he came mm -hmm. out, he, he played extremely well. You know, he'd, he Donovan McNabb puked in the huddle. Donovan McNabb. I think McNabb just like he was terrible. McNabb. He was awful. He was terrible. Yeah. He threw like three picks in that game. Um, and that was really before we 
you know, hated the Patriots or whoever some of us do, you know, before they started all their winning. So definitely mm-hmm. they did us a solid there by, by not allowing the, the Eagles to win their first ever Super Bowl. So we uh, were, were afforded, you know, 10, 10 more years, 13 more years of, uh, you know, where we can hold that over their heads and say, hey, you still got nothing, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. so I think that, to me, has to be my favorite. What about you, Rabs? I would say that that one's not on my list. I, I, I totally understand why it's on your list. It's not on my list because at the time the, I found the Patriots to be loathsome and I didn't want them to do what they ended up doing, which was to win three Super Bowls in four years and therefore oh. rest that from the Cowboys who had been standing atop that peak until that moment. Uh, that was actually one of the worst of all possible Super Bowl scenarios in which the teams I, I probably liked least in each of the various conferences had made it to the Super Bowl. So the only possible mm-hmm. um, satisfying outcome was, frankly, if a giant sinkhole opened in the middle of the stadium and everyone fell through it. Um, I would say that the, uh, the the Kansas City Super Bowl last year I, it was pretty satisfying. It was really great to see the, you know, to see the Eagles kind of choke that one away. Um, and the you mentioned several of their NFC championship game losses. They, they went to three straight and lost three straight in the early 2000s. I think the one that was most satisfying of those was the Tampa Bay one. That was a really, I mean, listen, those Eagles teams were far, far better than the Eagles teams of recent vintage. Those teams were incredible. They were, they were obviously and clearly the best team in the NFC and one of the best organizations in football. They were really, really good. And they beat the, they beat the Cowboys by 20 points every game they played at least. Right. They were so much better than everybody else. Um, so the fact that they didn't make it is actually kind of shocking. But the one that was the most shocking, because I think it was probably the best Eagles team, was when they went. Uh, Tampa Bay came to Philadelphia. Tampa Bay, a warm weather team. Philadelphia was geeked up. Everything was in line for them. And Tampa Bay just dismantled them. And, of course, the punctuation was Rondé Barber with like an 87-yard mm. interception return that basically was the one that sealed the deal. T- Tampa Bay's defense was incredible. And, of course, they went on to win the Super Bowl. At any rate... Um, this team's actually been crushing a lot of folks, and, and I think that you know everyone's wondering after the, after a much closer game in Seattle whether or not they'll be able to handle a quote unquote winning team mm-hmm. uh, when the Eagles come to town. So, tell you what, I think it's time to take a look at uh, this week's opponent, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, what do you say we uh, get to a little Rebels roundup? It's time for Rebels roundup. Okay, so in this week's roundup, I want to start with a question. What, in your mind, uh, I don't know how often you watch the Eagles. As you said earlier, I live in Philadelphia, so I have to watch them more than I'd like to. Uh, What's different about this year's Philadelphia Eagles um, from last year's Philadelphia Eagles? Well, to me, I think the big blinking light is their defense. Like when you, when you talk about, you know, because they, they were really good last year on both sides of the ball, they, uh, offensively, defensively, really good. If you look at this year's team, I think they're still pretty good offensive team. Obviously, they got some weapons there. They have a really good mm-hmm. offensive line. Jalen Hurts, regardless of what you think about him, he's a pretty good quarterback. They're, they're a good offensive team. Now, defensively, you know, on paper, they got some good players, but... I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of beatable players on their team, and and they're just very vulnerable, in particular in pass rush. And I think 
you know, if you ask me there, I can, I don't know how, how far you want me to go with this, but uh, I can run down a list of why, I, you know, some, some players that are, are not there anymore, or some coaches that are not there anymore, but I think it really, it particularly hits the defense. I, I agree. And I actually do want to ask you about those in a moment, but let, let's, let's start if we could by looking at a kind of, the kind of, you know, broader overview picture, and then we'll drill down to each side of the ball, et cetera. Um, so if you ask, you know, if you ask a fan, like what's different from last year, the dumb fan is going to say nothing. They were 10 and one last year as well. This team's just as good. It might even be better. They know how to win. The smart fan, however, will take a look at some of the numbers and realize they were a much, much different team this mm -hmm. year. Just to, as, as one way to look at it in 2022, after 12 games last year, they were 11 and one, but their point differential was 112 plus 112 this year. After 12 games, they're not quite as good. They're 10 and two, and their point differential is only plus 41. So that's 80, uh, 71 points rather difference. That's quite a bit. That's like, you know, 200% more points in terms of point differential last year. As a point of comparison, this year after 12 games, San Francisco is a plus 163, and Dallas is a plus 168. Both teams are probably better than the Eagles were last year, certainly from that perspective. And, I, and there is a strong correlation between point differential and success both in terms of one loss record, but also in terms of playoff success. Um, so similar records, but they're much less dominant. So why is that? As you were suggesting earlier, I think one of the places that is a good place to start is by just thinking about who they lost. Mm -hmm. So who did the Eagles lose in the offseason? You just referenced it. Who are some of the guys that leap to mind when you think about dudes that were there last year that aren't there this year? Well, I know I'm, I'm going to be missing some people, but to me, there are there's four guys that I have listed here that are important. Okay. I think TJ Edwards is a very good linebacker and he's really good. He's really good. You know, he is, he's racking up the tackles in Chicago. You know, he signed with the bears in the off season. Mm -hmm. So, um, in, I think they're obvious. There's no denying that the Eagles are really hurting that linebacker. You know, they just got Darius Leonard, but you could, you mm -hmm. know, they, they, um, or Shaq Leonard, sorry. Uh, and, um, but they're, that's definitely a weak spot for them for sure. And, but not only the lost T.J. Edwards, but they lost uh, Kaiser uh, White, who's yep, who's yep. gone, and uh, both of those guys has had over a hundred tackles for them last season. They lost C.J. Gardner Johnson, which was one of my safeties in his draft class when he came out, and he, mm -hmm. I think his impact and what 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 he contributed last year was very uh, crucial to them. A very good player, and this guy too. And, and people might argue with with the players they have as a replacement and I don't blame them for letting him go, but uh, Javon Har Hargrave is a really good defensive tackle and he's, he's having a good season with the Niners. And, you know, I think that uh, that's not to say that like Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and uh, what's the other one. Um, they're that the other Georgia guy, you know, all, uh, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking yeah, about. They, they got young guys and you know, not to say anything that obviously Jalen Carter is a really mm -hmm. good player, but you know, uh, Hardgrove is just a really good, a strong piece there, a veteran presence. And um, so I just feel like there's a lot of defensive players they've, that they're missing too. And, and I don't know, not that they're gone, but like Slay and Bradbury, I don't know. It just, they just seem like they were better when they had a better pass rush or something, you know? I, yeah, I think you're, I think you're really onto something here. And so, mm -hmm. um, you and you you nailed it. If you look, so that Javon Hargrave had 11 sacks last year. They lost both Kaiser White and T.J. Edwards, as you said. Again, 
couple more guys up the middle, and they lost not only C.J. Gardner-Johnson, but a really solid, like, pros pro in Marcus Epps. Mm -hmm. So that's five guys, and those five guys are all in the middle of the defense. I think that's a really important thing to think about. So they also have suffered a pretty significant brain drain. This happens to all winning teams, and, um, you know, it's, it's going to happen to the Cowboys if they if they have any success as well. Um, so they lost their offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, who went to become the head coach at Indianapolis. And then, of course, their defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, who helped engineer the, the upset of the Cowboys, um, is the head coach in Arizona. His replacement is a guy named Sean Desai, who, interestingly enough, was not the player's choice. Most of them wanted the job to go to last year's defensive backs coach, Denar Wilson. But he ended up leaving Philly to take a, the defensive backs coach job with the with the Baltimore Ravens so that they lost a really good coach who the players really like so there's a that's a lot of brain drain you know quote-unquote loss uh over the course of one year on offense they lost Miles Sanders replaced him with a couple guys they lost a, a, an offensive guard who I think is actually a fairly underrated player in Isaac Sumalo but I think you know your general assessment is spot on they didn't lose a lot on offense in terms of talent um but they lost a lot on defense and, and I think an argument can be made that they replaced each of those guys but those guys have made the kind of contributions that have not been replaced. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. So let me ask you one more question, and then uh, and then we'll kind of we'll kind of untangle all this. What what in your mind was it that made them successful last year? Well, that's a good question too. And I, I mean, obviously they had better talent defensively too. But another one of the other uh, coaches that you you didn't mention um, that I think is worth mentioning is. Last year, they actually had Vic Fangio as a defensive consultant. And yeah. Now he's yep. the defensive coordinator with the Dolphins, too. And I don't know if it's something like that is, you know, is something that's hurting them. Because, I mean, they were, like, really good. The defense, they were really good last year. And, I mean, if you look at the DVOA, I mean, they're, like, 21st this year. And, and, mm -hmm. and they are 31st and past defense. So, I mean, yep. something's, I mean, the Eagles are just like, this is not the same Eagles defense for sure. So I don't know how much that coaching, you know, it also, you mentioned Gannon, but Fangio as well. Like, you know, if, if, if those guys, you know, maybe they were a bigger factor than, than originally thought. So uh, to me, I just feel like that's the biggest thing because if the Eagles can't shorten the game, and they can't get to keep themselves in and, and win a, a, a close game. They're they're kind of in trouble, um, and we saw that against the Niners. Uh, and that's why I feel like the Cowboys match up well because they're they are a type of team that can put some pressure on you and put the points on the board and force the offense to do things that really they're just not accustomed to doing. That's right. They can score in bunches and put them in unfavorable game scripts, and and they're not the kind of team that can that has a lot of game script flexibility. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about. Let me sort of unpack this, and then um, you know, as as a way to think more about where the where the Eagles are right now. Uh, I'd like to start by actually thinking back to 2021. If you remember, like the third or fourth game of 21, the Eagles came to Dallas, and Dallas spanked them like 41 to 21. I mean, just humiliated them across the board. The Eagles had one lucky touchdown where Fletcher Cox caught, oh, caught a sort of like, you know, rebound from Pat pass from Dak in the end zone, yeah. gave him a cheap, cheapest of scores. Um, and, it, and it wasn't close. And they only ran the ball three or four times. And so Nick Sirianni is a pass first coach. In fact, there's no way that Jeff Lurie would hire him if he weren't because Jeff Lurie hires as head coaches, guys who are passing gurus. That, that's, that's his M.O. 
but they they weren't effective passing. Uh, they didn't have offensive weapons, and Jalen Hurts was an, an underdeveloped signal caller at the time. So they had to become a running game, just a running team, just to be successful. And they actually were successful over the course of 2021 as they stopped passing and started running. And then last year, they continued this and had tremendous success. The run opened up the pass, and the run, because it opened up the pass, gave Jalen Hurts easy completions. We've talked again and again about how important it is to give to let Dak Use the easy button, right, as often as possible. And, I mean, if you watch Eagles games, if you rewatch this, so many easy throws that Jalen Hurts had. He had so many easy completions, especially versus single high safety situations in which both of the sidelines were, were uncontested areas, basically. Everything was predicated on the run, and the Eagles had a devastating running game that uh, teams really felt like they had to stop above all else. And that running game was predicated on the threat of Jalen Hurts keeping the ball. He was a primary factor in their running game. So I, I think there's some there's some real problems philosophically with in Philadelphia because every if everything is be, was predicated upon the running threat of the quarterback, but the contract and the injuries dictate that you can no longer run your quarterback suddenly everything becomes more difficult for everybody, and particularly for Jalen Hurts, who is an only an okay pocket passer, right? His, his strength is he's a leader. He's an unflappable dude. He's a tough runner. Um, he's, uh, he's a consistent guy. He executes well. He's not a dazzling passer and never has been and probably never will be. Uh, you know, we'll give him some time. But right now he's half the passer that the guy in Dallas is. Mm-hmm. So let's let's use that as a way to, to flip the, the flip the script to the other side of the ball. And so you were talking earlier about where the where the Eagles are on defense and how their defense is, um, you know, nowhere near as good and, and is, is the weak spot. And I couldn't agree more. So let's take a look. We already talked about how, and you pointed this out. They lost five starters. Those five starters were all up the middle, right? They have the fourth worst drop-off from 22 to 23 in terms of scoring allowed. They've allowed almost four more points per game, 3.8. Their defensive defensive EPA is well below average. Their quarterback rating allowed in 2022 was 81.6, very respectable. In 2023, it's 98.4, so 17 points. That's almost a 25%. It's like a 20 25% um, decrease in, in, in ability there. They're 24th in points per game allowed. They're 22nd in yards per game allowed. They're 29th in passing yards a game allowed. They're last in the league in third down conversion percentage. They're 29th in red zone touchdown percentage. They're 28th in explosives allowed. They're 22nd in sacks per attempt. They're 29th in points per drive. And they're 26th in turnovers generated. This is a, this is a bottom of the league defense so it, it's it's really interesting like cowboy fans are like oh my god why do the eagles always do this why can't the cowboys do it when they sign someone like kevin byard as they sign a guy like shaq leonard these are veterans who their teams are letting go they're paying them not to play for them this team is desperate for any kind of talent in the middle of the back seven and guess where those two guys play they play in the middle of the back seven they evacuated all of their talented guys who made plays for them all last year in the middle of the back seven. And now they're, they're so desperate there that they're willing to sign these aging veterans. We think that they're great because we we've heard of them, but these guys are washed up. I mean, neither Kevin Byard nor Shaq Leonard are difference makers. Neither of them could start for the Cowboys. Like this is a team that is imminently exploitable. Yeah. Imminently. And you know, Rabs too, I think a point needs to be made is, is the reason that they have those holes and those players are gone is because the Eagles have 
done this kind of thing with their roster building to where they get themselves in situations where they can't retain these guys. There's a short window of when you get there, you're going to have them. And then you're going to be in a situation where the other guys are going to get paid somewhere else. This is just the way they do business. And this is the consequence is now you have a suspect defense. Everybody likes to carry Howie Roseman's water. And I think that he's terrific at, um, trading and squeezing value out of trades, but he doesn't draft well. And when you don't draft well, what do you have to do? You have to sign expensive veterans. Mm -hmm. You sign expensive veterans to fill out the you know positions twenty to to forty on your roster, but you can't continue to keep them when your younger guys' contracts become due. I.e., when your quarterback gets bank, and this is what happens. Yep. And so I think that the takeaway for me is. You know, there's lots and lots of stats that show that, that the Eagles are nowhere near as good as they were last year, that they're kind of, you know, they're kind of a paper champion, that they're basically this year's, this year's Vikings. But it, when you actually look at the numbers, when you actually take the time during Eagles week to look at the numbers, they are shocking. This is a bad team. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. But listen, let's, let's, talk, let's talk more about what the Cowboys need to do uh, to win this game or what they might do to lose this game in Phantoms 5. It's time for the Phantom 5. Hey, do it slowly. Do it again. It's time for the Phantom 5. So, uh, five key points to the game. What's the first one, my good friend? So, oddly enough that we touched on a lot of these already um, through our discussion, but, you know... To me, the number one point, I, I call this one hit him where it hurts. And you and you might think that this has some sort of play on words on Jalen Hurts. Uh, and I would be right you would, if I said you that. You would be wrong if you said that. <laughs> yeah. um, expect the unexpected. Uh, no, wh where where it hurts is their pass defense. And we have just spent mm -hmm. ample time talking about that. And that is why I want the Cowboys to come out with an air attack. You know, I mean, you, you mentioned the stats, the Eagles defense, you know, they've given up over 3,100 yards through the air this season. It's the fourth most in the NFL. They're handing out, uh, they've allowed 300-yard passers in four of their last five games. You know, the Cowboys, of course, was one of them um, in week nine. Uh, and this is just this great news for a Cowboys top-scoring offense, uh, you know, that ranks third in the league in passing yards that has a quarterback who has absolutely been shredding defenses as of late. So, to me, you know, there should be no secret and they need to challenge the Eagles secondary. This should mean a heavy dose of C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, and Jake Ferguson. I like it. What's number two? So, 
again, you mentioned this and, you know, our minds are pretty synced up too. So I think uh, this one does have to do with uh, Mr. Hertz. Uh, this number two is make Jalen deliver in the pocket. And uh, mm-hmm. just as the Cowboys should be throwing the ball, uh, they should be forcing their opponents to do the same. I want, um, I, you know, we recognize the Eagles offense is good, but they are better at running the ball than they are at throwing the ball. Uh, so make them throw it. You know, Jalen Hurts, you know, he likes to get the ball out quick on slants or, you know, he's very sharp when he can hit his early reads. But you mm-hmm. you, get, you force this guy to kind of have to think a little bit, you know, and, and you kind of take away his escape routes. And suddenly he's a different quarterback, as you just you, you described. So right. make him make those, uh, you know, act in haste a little bit. And you'll find out that he is becomes very, um, well, below average. To, pedestrian, pedestrian, perhaps. yeah. So <laughs> yes. just make him, you know, make mm-hmm. him, um, make him beat you. And I, I don't think that he can personally. I agree. Uh, does that lead us to our, our third point? Yeah. So this one's kind of weird because I just talked about how they should put too much on a quarterback because I don't think he can. He can lead them on himself by himself, and then my next one's going to be a little bit kind of a cop out because I, it's going to, this one has helped Dak out a bit. Now that's not to say that Dak can't be a hero because we we saw him do it last week, and um, but it would be nice if if he just didn't have to be. And I think you know the Cowboys haven't had very much success on the ground this season. You know the running game is kind of missing at times. Uh, twice this season the Cowboys didn't reach 80 yards rushing in a game. And should be no surprise, they lost both of those games. Uh, before the bye, the Eagles' run defense was the best in the league in rushing yards allowed. They just 66 per game. But uh, recently, Rebs, just not very good. They've allowed three straight mm-hmm. games with at least 140 yards on the ground. Now, the Cowboys should come out passing, as I already mentioned. But that's not to say it should stay that way. I would like to see them maybe try to right some wrongs in the running game and pro- provide a little balance to help keep the Eagles defense off on their heels. Uh, look for Tony Pollard, Rico, and even a little CeeDee Lamb rushing to help provide some uh, boost to the Cowboys' rush, rushing attack. And um, also, too, when I said help Dak out a little bit, probably the thing that jumped at you was we need a better game from Terrence still. So, you yep. know, and I think yep. I think that's got to happen because, it's you know, you can't get – you can't get any worse, but uh, I do expect a bounce back game from Steele, and uh, I think give give Dak a little time to to get the job done, and I think everything will be fine. It's it's funny a couple of things to say about that. I think um, if you notice, uh, Deuce Vaughn has been a healthy scratch probably over the last month, and I really think that that uh, CD Lamb has basically become their de facto third running back. Mm-hmm. Um, he has. And I I, I uh, yeah I, I absolutely. Um, so what's the fourth? What's the fourth uh, fandom spot? So number four is just play smart football. You know, so I have a little qu- question for you, Raps. So seven teams, in so far this season, have committed over eighty penalties this year. Mm. Uh, there's one team, only one of them, of those teams has a winning record. Can you guess which team that is? <laughs> mm, let me think about this. Yeah, I think it's our yeah, Dallas Cowboys. It's our Cowboys. It's and that's because. You know, teams that commit excessive penalties typically do not win. But the Cowboys, they have been the exception. But Rabs, I don't think they can keep going, uh, going by, getting by like this because this will get them. Um, of course, they had 127 penalty yards last week. That was their worst yardage mark of the year. 
mm-hmm. and I feel like things are just getting worse. Like the first five games, they only had one game with with seven penalties or more. Over the last seven games, they've had five of those types of games. Uh, they just they're constantly making things harder themselves. They just need to stop it. They need to stop it. And I'm talking about stop lining up in the neutral zone. You know, stop getting you be so um, have so much Rutgers pre-snap to where your guys on offense are jumping off. You know, th- those things frustrate me too. It's like get yourself organized. You know, stop with the play clock expiring to where your coach may or may not call a timeout to to bail you out. It's it's frustrating. You just gotta you gotta stay organized. You just gotta stop making those mental mistakes because. When you play tough teams, and the Eagles are a tough team, uh, you gotta you you can't be making these mistakes. So, play smart football is number four. Well, let me ask you this as a follow up, because I feel like some a couple of these are, are are part of they come with the meal, so to speak, right? And so one of them is you talked about the the, the sort of motion penalties or the penalties on offense that that are that are connected to motion and the fact they didn't have as many in the first few weeks. So that's because they didn't have motion in the first few weeks. So the motion, I think we've all talked about the fact that they're using so much more motion after the buy and that that's actually creating a lot of easy looks for Dak. So I guess the question is, is that a reasonable trade-off? They're going to be offsides. They're going to, there's going to be a false start occasion because motion is confusing to everybody. Um, and then the flip side of that is given the ferocity of the pass rush, are you willing to trade that for an occasional offside or not? I mean, obviously we would like motion, no false starts. We would love fierce pass rush, no offsides. But if the fierce pass rush comes with the offsides and the motion, which has made the offense so much better, comes with occasional false starts, do you take that because of what it also brings and carries with it. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. And the answer is, yeah, I do. I just, t- I, you know, I take it. Uh, I mean, I, I yeah. do. I mean, we, we have to, right? I do not want Because it's a completely different team with it. I do not want to give up the way the offense have been playing. If, you know, I, I will. Or the, or the pass because rush. Because they are overcoming those second and longs anyway, too. Now, I will say with the pass rush, I mean. I don't know why we have to line up offsides. I mean, we can if we fair if enough, we jump offsides, enough. fine. Um, but some of the things that we do are just I do think fall into the avoidable, um, the the overzealous type thing. Fine, I'll live with those because I I do not want to give up this team's offense and all the things they're doing with the pre pre snap mm-hmm. motion mm-hmm. stuff. No, keep doing it. It'd be great if they were just a little better at it or could just get it done a little bit before the play clock expires. But no, I if you're asking me, I'll take the whole meal. And whatever, and the fallout that comes with it. So, good question there. I will too. I will too. I think so. So, that brings us to the fifth of Phantoms Five. What do you got for us, partner? My last thing is I just don't want to leave this to chance because I tell you what, last game was excruciating when you think about all the close calls that happened, you know, whether it's Schoonmaker going down right at the goal line, you know, Dak mm-hmm. stepping out of bounds when he didn't complete the two point conversion, or, or Lamb just, you know, being just a few yards short of the end zone. I just think there's there are so many times that we, we had chances to score and we didn't. And I just don't want this to be another close game. I think the Cowboys, you know, at home, they've been putting up the points. They've been playing well. I just want them to steamroll these guys. I want them to get out there. And I mean, the Eagles, you know, we know what they do when they're in close games. You know, they, they, since late October, they went on a run of four straight wins of by five points or less. That is, that is where they're happy. That's their, their, Happy place. Let's just take them out of the happy place. I don't want to have a close game. Look, the Niners didn't have to deal with it last week. There was no dramatic comeback in that one. So Cowboys need to follow the same formula. 
don't leave it up to some bad call, some weird thing that happens, unlucky bounce or whatever, or some late game Eagles sorcery to snatch the victory from our hands. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that, you know, we've talked many, many times on this podcast about the, the even the best teams in league history are roughly 500 in close games, right? So that, that means that it's a toss up. And it also means that the, the Eagles have been historically lucky this year in their close games. And, and so let's hope that, that ends. So um, I'd love to ask you as a kind of sixth Phantom Five, what's your prediction for this Sunday's tilt? Yeah, so, you know, usually I well, that's I, I uh, end this with the prediction here. So um, I am going with, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to drink the Cowboys Kool-Aid and I'm, I'm going with a blowout in this one. I'm going to go. F- 40 to 17. I think the Cowboys are just going to take it to them. And I think it's going to create a kind of a little bit of a stir this whole next week about like, not just are the Eagles fraudulent, but uh, you know, are the Cowboys, you know, the real deal. So I feel like this is just going to be, this is going to be our game wraps. You know, you know, as bad as we felt the last time these two teams, I don't know if you remember, but it's still, you know, it still lingers with me. Um, but I feel like this Sunday night could could do a, do wonders in, in making a lot of that go away. I agree. I think actually when you look at the history of these two teams over the last decade, the Eagles have very rarely won big. They, except 2017, it's been a couple other times they won big. But for the most part, they've won fairly close games. The Eagles, excuse me, and the Cowboys have won by 10, by 20, by 30. I think this is going to be a I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a fairly comfortable Cowboys win. I'm going to say double-digit win. I'm not going to go so far as 40-17, although I would I obviously love that. Uh, it would be so delightful. Um, but I, I, I agree. I think this is this is the type of game where um, it's going to force the national pundits who don't know anything about, about our team to reevaluate the NFC East, to reevaluate the Eagles, to reevaluate the Cowboys, et cetera. It's going to be that um, thing we've been yearning for for a long time, which is a dominant win against a team with a prohibitively winning record. Yeah. I want to say one thing too, is the, my prediction is I, this is one of those games. I do not see Jalen hurts finishing. And I'm not saying that I, I want to be clear. I'm not wishing injury on anything. I'm, I'm not certainly you know, calling for that to happen. But I just, I just can, I can visually see like, you know what, maybe he gets a little nicked up and they're like, you know, well, let's just pull our quarterback, let Mariota, Mariota go out there, you know, and then, then we can say, well, you know what, Jalen Hurts didn't even play the full game, you know, and put a little asterisk on it or something. I just, I just kind of sense it will be that kind of beat down to where, you know, Hurts isn't even there at the end. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he, he was probably, it was irresponsible for him to finish last week mm-hmm. he he was theoretically i mean you know from what we hear not theoretically but what we hear he's in the concussion protocol and um you know they sent him back out there for some stat padding mm-hmm. and um one thing i think it's important to, to think about is you know the 49ers no team that they've beat has won the following week because they just pummel people and when they win they just they just humble people and the cowboys are rested and healthy and feel, feeling as good as they have in months and the eagles are be, as beat up as they have been in months so i think that's actually going to contribute to a lot of this so i think that your prediction about hurts not finishing whether he just gets injured or whether whether he it's it's so out of hand that they figure it's not worth it given 
his his physical condition and given the fact that they they play another physical team the following week mm -hmm. pete carroll's teams always come and they're gonna even if they're not talented they're gonna hit oh, you in the mouth will. yes and so this team's gonna the, the eagles are gonna be doubly tenderized for that one um so yeah i i think that that i think that's absolutely uh a distinct possibility so let's imagine that this happens uh what does that mean for the Cowboys, you've been doing a lot of work on this, so I just want to turn this over to you. What does that mean for the Cowboys and their chances at the NFC East crown? Yeah, so that's that's the thing here is is it doesn't it doesn't mean a whole lot in the sense of when this when the Cowboys beat the Eagles on Sunday night, we will be atop the NFC East. We will have the same record, and we will have a better divisional record than they do temporarily um unfortunately mm -hmm. for us uh the fate of the let's be clear it's only because they we've played more games than they in the, have within right? the division yes correct mm -hmm. and our, our only loss will yeah have yeah that's correct um that's that's it yeah we have one more win than they have in the division but uh with the cowboys have, they do not have the ability to control their own destiny they can Sit the Eagles can continue. They could win out, and he, so could Dallas, and it wouldn't matter. The Eagles would win the tie. They they hold most, almost all of the tiebreakers. There's 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 no favorable tiebreaker situation for the Cowboys in this one. So we really need the Eagles to lose a fourth game for the Cowboys to have a chance. So so let me let's be clear about that. So if the Eagles win, so let's say the scenario that we've kind of begun to paint, which is loss to the 49ers, beat up team lost to the lost to the Cowboys maybe beat up quarterback further beat up team go into go into Seattle against a team that hopefully wins this week and so they're they're they continue to be in a playoff hunt they're desperate we saw how physical they can be um last Thursday let's say they let, let's say let's say the uh the Seahawks beat the Eagles because the Eagles are just beat up to win the division the Cowboys still have to win out uh, yes, oh, mostly. Um, and the reason I say mostly is the Cowboys could also lose a fourth game as long as that fourth loss is to the Detroit Lions. And the reason I, Detroit oh, Lions, why is that? Because talk, talk more about the that. Lions are not a common opponent. Um, it's one of the, mm. one of the different games the Cowboys had, I believe, uh, Eagles had Minnesota in their from their, that division so it's not a not a common opponent so um that would mean that one of their losses um would be taken up by a non-common opponent which means the cowboys would have a better uh winning record against common opponents if okay so let's let's just before we get into that let's 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 take a quick look if we can at the tiebreaker so i'm going to kind of review that so that people understand why the common opponent matters mm -hmm. so much because i think that you're on to something here so obviously the first one is head to head and if yes. the cowboys beat the eagles they'll be one right. and one so that cancels mm -hmm. out the second one games played within the division if the cowboys and eagles are both one and one assuming that the the eagles beat both the the, the giants both times they play them in the remainder of the year which is a high likelihood mm -hmm. the Giants are awful, then they would finish with the same. So that would be tied. So then we move on to the third one, best one loss percentage uh, in common games. Mm -hmm. And because, the, as you said, the uh, the Lions were a not common opponent, they would ha have 
assuming that the Eagles don't lose to the Seahawks, the same one loss percentage in common games, correct? Or any, even even if they do, yeah, it's uh, all the all. I think all the Eagles remaining games are common opponents for them. So if they get a fourth loss, then it will be four losses for common opponents. So, so. Right, right. Okay, so the idea would be then that uh, they, they have they have after the Cowboys they have Seattle, the Giants twice, and they have Arizona. Mm-hmm. All common right, opponents, right. all teams, all teams that the Cowboys have already played. Okay, so so we're assuming that the common opponents would be tied, uh, and so that's why it's important to look at the uncommon op- op- opponents because if the Cowboys do met, do lose a fourth game, it, and if it's to Detroit, that's an uncommon opponent because the uncommon opponents for the Cowboys they play the Chargers. Uh, the Panthers and the and then the, the Lions will be the the, the third right. one, and the Eagles have already played Minnesota, Tampa Bay, and Kansas City. Correct. And the Eagles, I, I mean, so it really doesn't matter. You can throw out the record. I mean, other than overall record against those three teams, once it comes down to tiebreakers. Correct. So then, what are we looking at? Then we're looking at conference games, and and if this plays out this way, they'll be tied in conference games. And so then we're looking at the fifth tiebreaker. We're going all the way down to the fifth tiebreaker. And that would be strength of victory in all games. Can you talk to people about what that means? Yeah, I mean that's basically you know how good are the teams you're beating. And so if you look at all at, at all the teams, just the teams that you've beaten has nothing to do with who you're losing to. And you look at the winning percentage of the teams that you have beaten, your strength of victory uh, in whoever has the best winning percentage there. And this is where the Eagles. This is the deal breaker now that we cannot. This is where it all ends. There's no leeway here this if the cowboys can't win a tiebreaker earlier then it's over because they're not going to win it here uh it's just simply because the eagles have had a tougher schedule and they've beating you know they they play kansas city you know you, you, they if you look at miami buffalo yeah, yeah all those well teams. i mean we play those teams also but um yeah but uh, you know look at, if you look at the they just have they just have a tougher schedule so they have a they have mm-hmm. beaten good teams and the Cowboys have beaten fewer good teams, as as it, everyone reminds us. Um, so that's that's the part where that we can't catch them there. Gotcha. So if we cannot get it done, so we not only have to, we can't tie them in those other ones. We got to beat them. And the really the, if you really want to summarize it to keep it simple, it's the Eagles must lose a fourth game. That's that's a done. There's no way out of it. Um, that has to happen. The Cowboys have to win on Sunday night and the Eagles have to lose somewhere else. Um, if it does happen, the Cowboys can also get away without winning out as long as their one loss comes to Detroit. Now that's still a tough ask. Right. And so if that doesn't happen, like say our one loss is to Miami instead, the only thing that can save the Cowboys then is the Giants. The New York Giants, they get two cracks at them, you know, time. Because that would then go to the divisional record, which is way up higher, the tie, uh, higher on the tiebreaker list. Higher on the tiebreaker list, yeah. So, and that I mean, and, and that's possible. So, I mean, it's you got to remember too. I always think back, you know, a few years ago when the Giants had a chance to, both the Giants and the Cowboys had a chance to make the playoffs in, in the season finale, um, and the Giants ended up beating the Cowboys. It was McCarthy's first year, and and uh, and the Eagles mm-hmm. they could have did the Giants a solid. By beating Washington, but they just decided now nah, to just phone it in, rest and start. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had nothing to play for anyway, but just they didn't even show up in the and Washington won, and it cost the Giants. I mean, so you know what? Who's to say the Giants might want to play a little bit of a spoiler? I mean, you never know. I mean, there's people playing for jobs, and um, you know, Giants have yeah. they've you know they flashed a little bit of upset potential and a little bit here there. So anything's possible. So I mean, there's there's. 
there's chances the Cowboys have, but it's it's just not real probable, I guess. Now, we're, I, I know we're going to talk about this more, and I don't want to talk about it too much now because I think we should, we should resume the conversation in a couple of weeks. But just to kind of paint the picture then, then the highest likelihood, because I think the other thing that, and you've referenced this, like they can lose to Detroit. But if they, let's say they don't. I mean, what we're relying on is the Eagles lose a fourth game, the Cowboys to win out, which would mean that they won their last nine games in a row. And I want people to understand how unusual that yeah, is in the yeah. NFL, even for really, really good teams. So teams have done it. Certainly teams go on like nine, 10, 12 game winning streaks, but it's really, really unusual. And it requires a tremendous amount of luck. And you have to be a really, really good team also. I'm not saying the Cowboys can't do it. I'm saying that if 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 we look at like how they've been playing and go, oh, they're going to win out, that is a naive position. And so the highest likelihood here is that even if the Eagles lose a couple of games, the Cowboys are going to lose a game and the Eagles win the division with four or five losses and the Cowboys are the five seed. And so one of the things that you've been talking about is that if the Cowboys are the five seed and the Eagles lose a couple of times, that means San Francisco is the one seed. And the, if the Cowboys win, then then uh, – then they, they probably play somebody from the NFC South, which we can say with some confidence is, is a good matchup and the Cowboys have a high likelihood of winning, but then they would in the second round have to go to San Francisco. Yes. You know, unless, and what then is, I think we need to talk about unless either the six or seven seed is able to upset in this case, either the Eagles or the, Lions. that is a great point. And you know what, after we beat, the Eagles on Sunday night and we're preparing for a Seahawks Eagles, you know, battle. I think this is going to make a great uh, conversational piece next week. Agreed. So we will pick, we will pick that up uh, next week and continue to talk about which path we want for, for our Cowboys. But that is all we have for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the blogging the boys podcast network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher, Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys Hot Topics, matchups you're looking for, or how festive are you during the holidays, you know, let us know. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Deck the halls.